This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the World's Best Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Fred, and as always, I'm joined by Luke and Liam. Let's come to Liam first this week. How you doing, mate? Doing good, mate. Doing real good. Um, I actually just booked my tickets over to London, coming over to see you and the B1M crew for a week in July. Pretty excited about that. What? Mate, that's huge. That is huge. That's amazing. Okay. Are you you want just, to just come to see you, Luke? No, mate. No, uh, we have we have a huge event that we're launching with a with a uh, one of our clients in July. So I'm going to come over for that. Um, be at the grand opening. Um, obviously, come spend some time with you guys. Do a little podcast in London, a bit more local. Uh, Should be good. Uh, oh, that be beautiful. Get some FaceTime, as they say. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh wow, yeah. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can trump that, to be honest. That's that's really decent. Are you looking? Do you miss London? Do you feel like now you're moving into winter over in Australia? Like, are you like, oh, I'm looking forward to getting into London and yeah, absolutely experiencing your winter just in a different place. I suppose. Yeah, de- definitely, man. I mean, I still think London's one of the best cities in the world in summer. I just like the atmosphere, the people, the vibes. It's insane. It's just so good to be a part of it. Um, and yeah, I just I get to come over for a week, you know. Um, get to see everyone, get to catch up with all the B1M stuff. It's, it's good. I really enjoy coming over for it. Oh, Fred. Fred, your team. Your your team are spread throughout the globe. You must be very proud, mate. Very Sorry proud. Sorry for the day. I was just, uh, just Googling some cheap flights so I could get out, get out of London before Liam gets here. <laughs> <laughs> it's going expensive, quick. these flights, mate. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> How you been, Luke? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Starting to get ready to, um, like, getting ready to go to Washington, D.C. next weekend. Started packing. So I've had a pretty chill weekend, saving the pennies and being boring, starting a bit of decoration. I sound like Liam, doing a bit of DIY and oh, stuff, you know. And it's, it sounds, it, 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 it's just never ending. It is never ending. It gives me proper appreciation for the construction industry, mate. All I'm trying to do is put up shelves and paint. Yeah, and it feels like it's taking forever. So, mate, it's 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 all a bit boring on my side. How about you, Fred? You okay, mate? What's yeah, what's put, the back in the construction industry? Putting mate? up shelves and painting, mate, is the kind of thing we get into the email inbox. People going, oh, oh I love your channel, love the mega projects, but why don't you never cover my shelving project in my local hometown? Stuff like that. Like, you can't equate the two things, Luke. Come on, mate. Uh, I just did, mate. I just did. You can you can get the comparison. 
You can get the comparison, mate. You can get the comparison. But Fred, have you, are you okay? Are you yeah, all right, I'm, mate? I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. doing all right. I'm not too so bad. Right. Be- better right. for being with you guys, obviously. Uh, been a busy week. I've been out filming every day lately, which has been which has been fun and hectic. But yeah, good. We've got some good stuff coming up. As Liam said, 12th of July, we are doing a big launch event in London. Details coming soon, guys. Keeping it secret, but keep your diaries free. 12th of July in London. I'm very excited for that. Um, yeah, same old story. I'm busy. I'm not going to say I'm tired because I always say I'm tired. I'm hitting the gym quite well at the minute. Gym's going quite well. The <laughs> We had a little influx when the when the sun first came out. There was an influx of people going. I think I said this on the podcast a few weeks ago. Get into shape, quick, quick, get down to the gym. They've all gone now. And it's just the the hardcore staying it's with just, it. So. Uh, it's just the buff beefcakes, yeah, the buff daddies like you and me, yeah, <laughs> and <you. laughs> the buff beefcakes and me on the side. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, guys, we've got a cracking little episode come up for you today. We were talking about the failed plan to save Venice. Uruguay's new tree-covered skyscraper, which is pretty interesting for a number of reasons, the widespread opposition that's now come out to London's Liverpool Street station plans, all sprinkled with some of your comments from the week, and plenty of banter. Let's go. So, a few things going on this week. First up, uh, yesterday, Wednesday on the B1M, we brought out a very cool video all about a very special project over in Canada. Habitat 67, originally built by uh, Moshi Safdie, famous architect Moshi Safdie, has now been reimagined in a new virtual world by Epic Games, Neoscape and Safdie. It's a very, very cool project. There's a model you can go and play around and have a look at. A really, really cool use of technology to bring what was a, at the time, a partially built project into reality. We're really excited to see that come out on the B1M yesterday. Do go and check that one out, guys. But the main event we're going to talk to you about today is the failed plan to save Venice, a video which came out on tomorrow's build last week. This is this is super, super interesting. So do a bit of context. Venice has installed glass aquarium-like walls around some of its biggest and most cherished landmarks, including St. Mark's Basilica, all because it's been sinking for years. So Venice is getting flooded on a regular basis. There have been pretty severe floods. Uh, and in the worst case scenario, experts predict it could be completely underwater as soon as 2100 by the end of this century. Uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty shocking twist here. They're putting in these huge glass aquarium walls around some of their buildings what do you guys make this hot takes first of all what do you think of this <sighs> have, you, have you been to venice fred have I you have. been there okay and liam you've you're nodding you've been to venice right so venice is venice is obviously like beautiful and stupidly unique the thing is with venice is when you go there it's, it's crazy impressive but it doesn't feel always like a real city it feels a little bit like disneyland i think and i think that's probably because of flooding crazy prices it's always filled with tourists and a lot of people i think go to the mainland live there they might go on holiday to venice and have family homes and stuff um and I couldn't help but think, even when I was there, like, how does this work? Like, it doesn't feel right. You know, you think it's going to be this little bit of land literally just off of a beach. And it's not. It is, it's quite far into water, isn't it? And so when you're there, it, it, it feels, I don't know if you guys agree, it feels like unnatural because it, it is. But it just feels very, really, 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 really bizarre. 
really bizarre. And it's like, in my head, it's like something amazing that man's created, but it's like nature's trying to just, it's inevitable that nature's kind of reclaiming that bit of water. I was going to say land, but it's not land, water. Yeah, I think unique is the word. Like there is nowhere else like it on the planet. It's incredibly, it, it's a cultural landmark. You know, the the history, mm. the heritage, the positioning, the construction techniques, the layout is, there's nowhere else like it on earth. Obviously there is somewhere else like it on earth in Las Vegas, Nevada, but it's not quite the same thing. It's a, <laughs> it's a hotel inspired by Venice, but there's nowhere else really like Venice. So it is, it is very unique and it's sad in a way to see it competing with the elements and quite frankly climate change like this yeah are you sort of saying luke it's kind of feels like it's built for tourists i think that obviously wasn't always that wasn't the intention you know but it feels a bit like that now do you know what i mean when when you go there it's like it doesn't funk you go to other places in italy it feels genuine and in uh, it sounds awful doesn't it i don't mean it sound like anti-venice i loved venice but yeah. yeah did you get that impression yeah, yeah, I definitely. I, I think with all the restaurants, the amount of people like the the restaurants, a lot of the restaurants obviously are for tourists, so it's super expensive. The food's not that good, especially on the main strips and things like that. And then mm. just having to queue for everything. Yeah. Wherever you are, queuing to get over the bridges. I, I would love to go back when there's no tourists. Obviously, I, I can imagine everyone wants to do that, but I I, I loved like the architecture. I love the the city, but. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. It, it kind of feels, yeah, just like a kind of weird destination that's not. Yeah. Yeah. Or it doesn't always feel authentic. It, it feels like because of tourism, which is there's some irony there, isn't it? Because it's so famous and people will always want to visit there. And yet that exact thing feels like, I don't know, people. Yeah, it just didn't have the same same atmosphere as other cities, even even nearby, like let's say Verona. Verona's not a million miles away from Venice. Verona feels a lot more like a lived-in city, you know, working, playing city. Um, but Venice, it's got to be, when you think of like what mankind has done, right, some of the achievements mankind has done throughout history, Venice has got to be one of the most incredible and remarkable things ever built by humans, right? Surely, I'd, I'd agree. It was the start of the the ancient Silk Road between between Europe and Asia. It was you know there's a lot of trade went through there. That's why it's so it feels so multicultural. I find it's not just Italian. There is there's different African uh, Middle Eastern influences you find there as well. I think it's really really interesting. It makes it so much more impressive. Um, we mm. went there for a city break actually years ago before we had kids. Back when we had expendable income. Uh, we, went, we went for a few days in Venice, but in January, and it was like minus one, minus two. It was really, really cold. But we got super lucky with the weather, and it was just blue skies, frosty. But we got to see Venice in glorious wall-to-wall sunshine, but absolutely deserted, and it was so nice. And I've never been back because I almost don't want to hmm. – I don't want to risk ruining that trip, if you know what I mean, because it was so good. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was, it was – it's an incredible place. It's very sad to see what's now happening. Yeah with the flooding long-time viewers of the of the tomorrow's build and the b1m will remember that venice has just spent decades building a seven billion us dollar sea defense system called mose that finally started working in 2020 so you may think that's great that's working why is the city still flooding well it's because mose isn't quite working as effectively as it could do and the city's now having to step in and put these you have to see them they're just 
did glass aquarium walls with the water lapping up one side. You can see like a fish tank going around these uh, these major landmarks, which is which is shocking stuff. Mm. They're about the mosaic system. So this is a series of 20-meter metal barriers, which are kind of strategically placed around Venice Lagoon's inlets. So Venice, in case you didn't know, uh, it's not just a hotel in Vegas. It is built on an island in the Venice Lagoon in northern Italy. Uh, and basically where those inlets to the lagoon are, they've tried to build these uh, barriers across the inlets so they can basically hold back rising seawater, it's known as aqua alta, these kind of high tides that come in and they've got higher over recent years because of because of man-made climate change. So the idea is to stop the water coming in and flooding the city. They've built these huge prefabricated concrete caissons on land that they've then dragged out to sea and dropped into trenches on the seabed. Each one of those features these uh, underwater service tunnels that all connect back onto the mainland. So people, people can go down, walk through between these segments and undertake maintenance and things and check the system's working properly, which is very, very cool. When the system's not in use, the hollow barriers that are fitted, to the kind of, and they're, not, they're not the, kind of the yellow steel-looking barriers you see in the video, they uh, are filled with water and basically sunk onto the sea floor. But when a high tide is forecast, compressed air is pumped into them, water is pushed out, and the gates uh, lift up. They pivot on these huge concrete caissons, stick their heads above the surface, and effectively create a barrier to water coming in. I've not explained that very well, but if you watch the video, you can see how these things pop up above the water and create a, a wall above the surface. And then when you don't need them, you flood them with water, they sink back down again and disappear. It's a pretty simple system. It's a very effective system. Well, on paper, wow. it seems simple and effective. <laughs> not not so in, in real life. Um, interesting system. It uh, takes four to five hours in total for these things to flood and uh, lift up uh, and, and block floodwaters coming in. There is a uh, canal down one side so that ships can still come in and out. Smaller ships can come in and out. Bigger ships have to wait until the barrier has gone down. Uh, so yeah, so far, so good in theory. Problem with Mose is that it was designed way back in the 1980s and was supposed to start working in the 2010s, which is a long construction project anyway. But it then didn't go online for another 10 years. It finally started test operating in 2020 because of corruption scandals construction delays issues with money being siphoned out of the projects like uh, yeah italy pretty, pretty shocking stuff <laughs> um, <laughs> and the problem now is that the forecast climate change scenarios that mose was designed to deal with back in the 1980s are now outdated so mm. parts of the city are still seeing flooding whenever the tide goes more than 80 centimetres above its regular level. City officials will only raise the Mose system when tides hit 110 centimetres, bringing in protection for about 86% of the city. So it's only when the tide's going to be 110 centimetres higher than usual that the Mose system gets activated. As I said, that protects about 86% of the city. But for the lower-lying parts, when tides come in, uh, they're not getting protected. If oh. the threshold, yeah, if the threshold was yeah. lower, right, the gates would have to be raised eighty to a hundred times a year, and it basically isn't equipped to deal with that. Also, every time these barriers go up, it costs three hundred and twenty thousand US dollars on power and teams of people to run the system. Now it's in test mode, so that number will probably come down a bit. Uh, it's due to finish and start fully operating in twenty twenty three. But I mean, this is. 
this is shocking, right? They spent all this money on this flood defence system, and now it doesn't even protect St Mark's Square. The numbers don't add up, do they? The numbers, it doesn't work. It's not worth it, is it? Like, yeah, it's really it's, depressing. Spending $7 billion on a flood defence system and then you have to get a crew to manually operate it when they need to raise it and lower it. That's crazy. It's depressing. It's like, it's depressing. Like, I would be so frustrated if I lived in... Veneto or like Venice, you know, itself. Like if your your tax money's going into, you know, flood defences that only work eighty six percent of the time and cost three hundred and twenty thousand US dollars every time it goes up. Man, yeah, it's it's frustrating. I suppose I don't like this. I don't like this expression in a lot of things, right? But I suppose it's better than nothing. But it still doesn't justify the amount of money that has gone into this, and the fact that really, really, it doesn't it doesn't work, does it? Essentially, it doesn't really do the job that it's set out to do, right? And that could be, like you said, Fred, you said, like they were working with data that was at, that, that that was old, right? It's from the eighties, right? Okay, that's fair enough. Well, sadly, that's what happens when you take forty years to build something, I suppose. <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? Like it's, that's just how it is. That's kind of, and it's not even that's the card you've been dealt with. That's just, you know, out of, I don't, yeah, out of poor choice. Sad, man. It's sad. And it's frustrating to see like a jewel, like a gem, a historical landmark for not just Italy, but that region of Italy and, and the world for it to just be kind of, going because it is it is working to a point it's protecting Mm. 86 percent of the city for certain floods um the rest of it has got these these 1.3 meter high glass walls around which obviously can hold back water up to you know a meter 1.3 meters yeah um but it is this kind of this sticking blaster technique they're into now where they've obviously they've gone big on this seven billion dollar flood defense system which you think would solve the city's problems. So they now reckon it could be completely obsolete by 2050 to 2060. But it's almost like they've, they've gone so big on that, they need to stick with it. So you doing these other crazy things we talk about in the video, like geologists pumping water into underground wells and raising the height of Venice or, or you know, pumping out the lagoon at a, at a huge rate. They're huge projects that, they haven't got the money to go in for now. They've gone big with this flood defense system. So to protect the bits of the city that aren't protected, we've got glass walls, reinforced glass walls that you have to step over. They have little gates in them. You can get in and out when it's not flooding. I mean, unreal. Hmm. I was just going to say, it's interesting that it was designed back in the 80s and then they still stuck to that design when they implemented it, right? Surely you would have gone, okay, technology technology's evolved since then. There's got to be some new methods, new construction methods, things like that. Let's maybe, I mean, they probably, they might have done this, but let's shop around and see what other options we have and then implement the the project, the the, the process. But um, it doesn't sound like they did that. It sounds like, oh, yeah, we've got these old drawings from the 80s. It's just, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
That's exactly how it comes across, mate. That's exactly how it comes across. And I just feel like, Fred, you said something like, oh, they feel like they've put the money in and so they've got to stick with it. And I don't know, that just feels, to me, that just feels stubborn. That just feels like, well, if that's not the best thing, though, surely, yeah, you've spent a lot of money on it, but surely let's just like figure something else out. Let's, let's, or even start another scheme. You know, and I'm sure they're, you know, they've got the glass um, aquarium, you know, fix solution, you know, that I suppose is is one of them. But there's got to be something more than that, surely. I mean, at the end of the day, this is what happens when when you build a city in the middle of a lagoon, I suppose. Yeah, like that's I'm trying not to forget that. I'm trying not to forget that like these like none of this generation or even generations like before us decided to build this city in the middle of the lagoon it's kind of been an inherited problem but still a problem that brings in a lot of money you know a lot of tourism and just a lot of fame a lot of bragging rights to italy you know not that italy needs it italy's like arguably one of the most beautiful and incredible historical places on the planet but still like venice mate it's it's like when you go to some cities, right? I remember going to parts of Paris. I'm I always I always I always talk about Paris. But you go to parts of Paris <laughs> and you're like, it doesn't feel like it's looked after. And you could say the same about London as well. Like you're like, oh mate, you've got such a beautiful building here, you've got such a beautiful street here, and it feels like people take it for granted. And it feels a little bit like maybe Venice is being taken for granted a little bit here. I don't on know. The money, on the money thing, I imagine it is a local political issue. So you've got taxpayers' money has been sunk into this thing. There's a load of anger about it because some of the money's, you know, there's been a corruption scandal. I think the, the mayor of Venice was implicated at one point. So pe- people are annoyed. You know, they're going to say, well, you want to take even more of our money to try and do something else and mess that up as well. I, I can see where the local short term political issue is. Yeah. But like you say, Luke, it doesn't solve, it doesn't solve the bigger problem. I mean, do you put a massive aquarium wall around the whole of Venice? Do you drop a dome over it? Like, you know, where does this where does this go? <laughs> do you do you move Venice? What would Dubai do? What would Dubai do? What would Saudi Arabia do? <laughs> oh gosh. Don't 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 tempt fate, mate. <laughs> Listen, what what about this um you mentioned it earlier. What what about this thing about like pumping water into wells and raising Venice? Like is that feasible? Obviously, you've got the gentleman in the video sat talking about that, but how 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 does that work? Yeah, so it's been it's been done before, right? So what they're talking about is, and it is it's a complicated bit of geology that I'm not fully across, right? But they're talking about using these underground wells to pump water into, which effectively uh, raises the city above sea level by they reckon around thirty to fifty centimeters, which would then bring the Mose system into better use. It's worth saying we've been joking about this this thing about putting a glass wall around it or what would Saudi Arabia do, but that the Mose system was kind of that's kind of the idea of that is to build a wall around Venice. It's just the wall isn't high enough. So the way these systems work, the way they pivot off the floor, imagine like one end is is sort of anchored to the the casing, and the other end is is open. When it's filled with air, it floats up to the surface and bobs above the surface. The problem is it's not bobbing high above. The- it's bobbing, it's a word. It's bobbing high above the surface to stop water coming in. Now, if you think of the Thames Barrier, which is a very good flood defence system, that's a huge wall that can stop you know enormous floodwaters coming in. So it's almost like it was a nice idea, but they've, to Liam's point, they've built the wrong system. 
And I think I, I imagine because it was costing so much money and taking so much time and being so inefficient that they stuck with it because having to change the design would have cost them even more money and taken even longer. Wow. Yeah. Shocking stuff. <laughs> with rising sea levels, right, which we know is a thing, with rising sea levels, is this just inevitable? Are we are we just fighting off kind of what's going to happen anyway? If being kind of pessimistic about it, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's a... I, we're at a point now with climate change where even if we were to stop climate change tomorrow, we've already done so much damage to the planet that sea levels are going to rise anyway now, no matter what we do. Uh, and this is going to affect cities around the world. You know, Miami is another big one that jumps to mind, but this will affect cities, coastal communities, uh, and countries all around the world. It's it. Venice is a very powerful example because it's very beautiful, it's very picturesque, and you get those dramatic images of flood water lapping around St Mark's Square and you know flooding key bits of the city. People wading through streets in in bin bags around their feet. You know, it is become a poster boy for the issue. But the fact is, this is going to happen everywhere, and. Mm. It can't be stopped now. It's going to happen. And how these cities respond to it, how they deal with it. Uh, we, we've done a lot of stuff this over the years. You know, the, China's got this sponge cities program, which is where you kind of design landscape to soak up water or to attenuate water, or you design in better water runoff in your cities to do kind of prevent flooding. There are coastal defense systems around the world. You know, we're talking about we've done them in, uh, there's one in New York that's being pitched. We're talking about the one in Texas. London's got the Thames Barrier. There's uh, man-made islands being built here, there, and everywhere to try and create seawalls. You know, this is a defining issue that the construction industry is going to have to contend with over the next decade, holding back the ocean. You mentioned Miami, and obviously we've done a video on Miami, and you see that flooding is starting to affect Miami more and more. Do you think somewhere like Miami could be the next Venice? Yeah, I do. And I think it's almost more shocking in Miami because you've got real estate developers still building and selling high-end yeah. properties on this land and complaining to climate change activists and campaign groups that you're making it really hard to sell these properties because you keep talking about climate change. You know, it's absolute madness. We, we There was a skyscraper we talked about. I would say a skyscraper. It was a high-rise residential apartment mm. thing we talked about on the beach in Miami a few episodes back. The floors don't start until the third floor because it's on stilts at the bottom. And they've created this very nice you know, lobby vibe about it. But it's basically because the thing's going to flood. It's bizarre. It is so, 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 so bizarre. So bizarre, mate. So bizarre. But listen, Venice, I adore Venice. It was great. I've got memories from it. But I suppose the advice would be visit it while you can, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys... Um, did you guys did you guys get lost in Venice at all? Yeah, it's impossible not to, right? It's 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 ludicrous. It's yeah. ludicrous. It's difficult. It's uh, that was kind of the fun of it, though. I think you know of a place like that. But what 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 a city? What a city! But yeah, the mm. food, like you said, Liam. I think you met, you mentioned the food. The food was yeah, the food was terrible. I, I mean, I'm sure there's definitely really good local restaurants there. Yeah. That the locals yeah. that the locals know. I did, to be honest. I had probably the best margarita pizza I've ever had in my entire life there. Oh. Yeah. Ironic. Yeah. Ironic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> in in Italy, you'd have thought. It. 
no, no, in Venice, mate. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Yeah, but Naples is where the pizza's at. I mean, more, the, more south you go, that's, that's where the pizza's at, right? Napoli. Whereas up north, it's not... They joke about it, don't they? And there's mm. also, I think there's, isn't there for funding, Fred, right? Just being a bit boring again. For funding, there's, there's always a bit of beef, isn't there, between like the north of Italy and like the middle and the south, that like where things get allocated. There's like a big disconnect, like a cultural disconnect between the north and the south, I believe. Yeah, I mean, that could be any country, couldn't it, really? I mean, it happens in I the mean, UK, we're just happens in America. <laughs> A great point. <laughs> great <laughs> point. Great point. So, what are you saying that they don't invest in migrated pieces up north? That we saying. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, mm, that's yeah. what I'm hearing. Generally, yeah, that's the thing. Not Where's the, the worst migrated? Mate, the worst was in Sydney. <laughs> mm. What was wrong with Serious? it? Serious. Just wasn't enough sauce. Uh, base was too thin. It's a bit doughy. Oh mm. no. No. Mm. Not a good margarita. <laughs> Maybe in the future, Venice will just be in Vegas, and they'll be like, "This is based on the ancient city that's now now an underwater dive site for scuba divers." Yeah, don't. Look, they did the same. They did the same with the old London Bridge, didn't they? That is in is it Havasu Havasu City in Arizona, the old London Bridge. You seen that? No. Are you serious? In in Havasu City, yeah, in Arizona, is the old London Bridge. They literally packed it up brick by brick and sold it to like an American millionaire. I'm not winding you up. I didn't know that. It's I know you're looking at relocate me. Venice, like pack it up brick by brick. You can them. do it, man, or at least like a couple buildings. <laughs> at least a couple. Maybe that would maybe that would help pay for the new barrier. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you I'm over the dome. I've opened yeah, the dome. The, the Simpsons dome. Drop it on. Yeah, the dome would be good. I, I could see it being no one lives there. There's no hotels, and it's just a tourist attraction. And all the uh, sidewalks, everything's raised, and you've just got six meter glass. It's like you're looking at it, like the whole thing's an aquarium. Ah, right. Oh, that's Hopefully so not. sad, though, isn't it? That's so sad. So sad. Uh, but like, I, I, I think it's inevitable, guys. I don't want to be too negative or anything, but I just think it's inevitable. So don't, don't want to be too negative, but the city's going to sink forever. It, well, that's what you. That's what happens when you build a city in the middle of a lagoon, and right, there's rising sea levels. You know, that's just life, isn't it? But it's a warning. I think the lesson is it's a warning to two places like Miami, two places like London, mate. Like it's so easy to be complacent. And to go, oh, yeah, it will be all right. And it's like, no, not really. Not really. We're, you know, ruining stuff. So anyway, They've diverted that's- rivers. I should say they've diverted rivers from Venice. So that there were these uh, rivers running from inland down into Venice Lagoon. They diverted them away from the lagoon and straight out to sea. So they're already, like, pushing water away from the Venice Lagoon. What? I was thinking, what if, you, what if you drained Venice Lagoon and then, and then kind of just built permanent locks so you could get boats in and out, but then you kind of made it like your own controlled lake or you just put water around the venice bits do you know what i mean you make venice like a little island i don't know yeah that sounds better to to me than Mo- mosey or mose mosey 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 i don't know mose. what it probably means something but <laughs> yeah but yeah well, anyway, guys, let us know what you think. What would you do to save Venice? Uh, dome, drain it, build a big wall, 
Uh, let us know. Get your comments coming in. Where have you had your best pizza ever? Um, is Venice in Italy? Let us know, guys. Get your, get your comments coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. Also in the news this week, we are talking about Uruguay's new tree-covered skyscraper. Um, skyscraper is kind of generous. It's more of a, a, a small residential block. Tree-covered tower, really. Uh, this is a 15-story residential building in Montevideo, which is the uh, I was gonna say the headquarters of Uruguay. It's the capital city of Uruguay. Uh, and the idea of this, right, this is going to be a great conversation. The idea of this is to bring rural living into the heart of of Uruguay's capital. I've got some funny comments about that in a minute. Basically, it's designed by MVRDV of uh, Marble Hill Mound. Uh, Marble, Marble Hill? Marble Arch Mound fame in London. Oh. Uh, and it's basically a series of 40 stacked country villas they've described them as. Uh, and the idea is to service residents who are moving out of the city in search of green space, try and bring them back into the city with this very nice green urban living type thing you've got trees and plants throughout they've got this kind of pixelated design uh i'm not a fan what do you guys think <laughs> i'm trying to think if you're uh, you're trying to entice people that have, have moved out of the city back in you probably want to not you'd probably want to offer them something a bit bigger than an apartment <laughs> you know what i mean i'm like all right you've got a huge house out of the city you know plenty of room and i was like hey come move back in here to your two-bedroom apartment hey you've got balcony road. trees mate you've got balcony trees over oh, over a dual carriageway come on yeah i'm not <sighs> i'm not it's just like oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it, you know what to me again it gives me tech campus vibes you get that vibe with everything uh, these ones I do, yeah. All the trees, little cubes, pool on the pool on the roof. You're giving me tech campus vibes, Liam. You, <laughs> Liam, Liam could be could be a tech campus worker, no doubt. What? No doubt, he does give. You give me that vibe, like. But you'd you'd have like a like sitting here in my hoodie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, because it's twelve degrees outside. Oh, it's eighteen. Thanks, mate. It's freezing. Is it freezing? 18. 18's freezing. Are you having yeah. a laugh? It's warmer outside than inside my house. Oh, yeah. Listen, what do you I, think? I, I, yeah, um, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. I don't think it's quite as bad, in my opinion, as what you guys are saying. I think it's for a tree-covered skyscraper or a tower, whatever you want to call it. It's um, It's all right. I think it complements its surroundings quite well, um, but it doesn't set you know the world on fire. But yeah, I don't think it's meant to. I don't think it's meant to. I think if you saw this in person, if it's if they used the right materials and the materials that look you know they look pretty decent in the renders, um, I actually think it could look pretty decent. Um, believe it or not, I know I'm usually complaining about the trees i think all that rubbish about like trying to get people to move back into sea and oh it's a green that that's all a load that's that's a load of rubbish yeah that's a load of marketing spiel yeah <laughs> who cares no you're, you're building something that's a trend yeah just just embrace it and that's fine just say look people are putting trees on buildings recently maybe we should do that yeah okay brilliant 
Just be, M- be honest. MVRDV have got a really good track record of the renders matching reality when it comes to putting trees on stuff. So I'm sure, I'm sure it would look really good. That definitely, definitely wasn't the problem with the Marble Arch Mound in London. The, the pictures uh, did you did you see the Marble Arch Mound? Did you guys see that in person? Mate, Liam, did you see a, that? No. Well, the scaffolding with some grass on. It was awful. Real grass? That, what, estrative? Uh, it was real grass on it. Didn't look like it, though. It, it just Google listener, yeah. Google the Marble Arch Mound. It is atrocious. How much did it cost? Six million quid, I believe. What MVRDV <laughs> defended themselves and said that there was a very poor team and a poor council executing their plans. I think obviously MVRDV have got a very very good track record in architecture. Clearly, something went wrong in the execution of that mound. But ever since then, I think they've kind of struggled to live it down a bit. Anyone associated struggled to live it down a bit. So, yeah, it's dreadful. You could literally see like the scaffolding, <laughs> like through the gaps, <laughs> and the like. I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't get the like. And this is the thing, right? You can say, you can say stuff like this, like you can say, oh yeah, it's all about getting nature, you know, back into the city, and like, well, maybe build a park. Build a decent park, yeah. Knock down a building, build a park. You want to do? You want to bring nature back into the city? Do that. Don't, mm. don't. You know, use this marketing material for a building or greenwash stuff just to go. Oh yeah, we're bringing nature back into the city. You're not doing that. I and the marble this- arch mound was the exact same thing, mate. It's a marketing scam. Yeah, they were trying to. The idea of that was to try and bring people back onto Oxford Street post pandemic and get people back to physical retail. But I mean, it just became <laughs> it just became an eyesore. I think that the thing about you know, people are leaving cities because they want rural living as opposed to urban living, the problem is a bit deeper than putting some trees on a building. I mean, I agree it, it can help. I think urban greening is a good thing, but it's it's all to do with affordability. It's to do with space. It's to do with where people are in their lives. It's it's the fundamental shift in how people work now, working from home, flexible working. You know, it, there's a lot of factors here. It's a bit deeper than I really want a tree on my balcony. That'll make me stay in Peckham yeah. or you know wherever it is. Yeah, that's exactly it, mate. That's exactly. It. I don't know. I just think it's. I I I get the concept. A child could get the concept. Yeah, it's just. This isn't how you do it. And when you're spending millions and millions and millions of pounds, and when it's taxpayers' money, yeah, I think it's an absolute joke. Absolute I agree. Joke. I'm with. But, I'm with you on the mound. I'm, I'm on yeah. that. I'm going to die on that hill yeah. with you, Luke. Yeah, I'm on good, that lad, hill. Mate, lad. good lad. Good <laughs> lad. Thanks, mate. I love getting. I love getting wound up by this sort of stuff. It's great. Yeah, you, you never. You've never done it before. You've, you've always remained so calm on the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now a few comments on this one uh tim a guy called tim saying i don't know if rooftop pools and canopy terraces can be considered rural in a concept uh sam saying that's a lot of plants to feed and water you're right sam it's almost like they mm. haven't thought about it uh, another person saying thank you so much for covering projects in my country i'm not an architect but i really enjoy and admire your youtube channel it's nice that's uh nice. Few other few other comments here and there, but yeah, on the whole, not not a roaring success. This one, mm, no, no, I'm not surprised at all, mate. Not surprised at all. Also, this week we are swinging over. We're swinging back to London's Liverpool Street Station, which we talked to you about last week. These big plans to reconfigure uh, London's Liverpool Street Station and build two new towers in the airspace above it. It's a joint venture between Network Rail 
and seller developers as we know uh, that's also they, they also worked together on london bridge to build the shard over london bridge station which we mentioned last week uh, now as i said last week there were quite a few comments about this and quite a bit of backlash that has somewhat escalated uh to i think open revolt really in the, in the united kingdom you've got major celebrities coming in saying this has got to be stopped you've got conservationists trying to stop the developments you've got the well, calls for the levelling up secretary, Michael Gove, to become involved. Anyone listening outside the UK or anyone in the UK, really, basically the levelling up secretary is the person, Michael Gove, whose remit is also about development and planning approval and stuff, and that's why it's going to him. Um, yeah, there's an open letter in the Times. There's, I mean, it's just widespread, widespread pushback now to these plans, and it looks like they're going to be canned and rethought. What do you guys think of this? Well, it's kind of cool that people are getting involved in the conversation. I'll say that. It's nice to see that, you know, people are bothering to have an opinion. People are being made aware of this, whether it's through a newspaper or through, you know, the B1M. I'll, I'll, st- I'll start with that. I'll start with that. Liam, what are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I, I'd like to see them keep um, the more heritage look in the plans, definitely. What are your thoughts on this, Yeah. Right? I I agree. I think I I do actually quite like the new designs. I think we've got a pretty good track record in London of building new architecture alongside uh, heritage architecture and preserving the heritage architecture pretty well. But I can see where some of the opposition has come about with this. I I do think sometimes with these kind of public debates, it becomes a bit, it snowballs a bit. So you get momentum Mm -hmm. in the media and then suddenly the media jump on, it becomes fashionable to jump on and suddenly there's a, bit of a storm on a teacup and things get cancelled for no reason i think that's that's kind of representative of our culture sometimes today this kind of cancel culture where everything everything piles on i do think it needs a bit more imagination on this one i think it needs to be reconsidered a bit i think we need to listen to what a number of respected people are saying yeah, take take aside the, the media frenzy around it which i've just described you've got some very well thought through arguments coming through from uh, heritage groups from uh, well-placed figures in the industry so i think that's worth listening to i want to read a bit of the letter that was submitted to the times so this is an open letter published by the times there was uh, heritage groups in it uh, some celebrities put a name on it as well uh, one bit they say to plonk 15 stories of insensitively designed tower directly on top of the grade two listed former great eastern hotel thus partially demolishing the listed station and overwhelming the Victorian train sheds is grossly opportunistic and wrong. Mm. (laughs) The claim that a cantilevered building directly on top of a heritage asset somehow preserves that asset is nonsense and sets a dangerous precedent. So I'm getting from that that they're not a huge fan of the plan. I'm just kind of just sensing. See, I'm not sure if I completely agree with that. I think if you can build a really decent tower, not just a block, two two symmetrical blocks on top of a train station, which is effectively what Herzog was proposing, right, or Seller was proposing, both of them were proposing. Um, if you could do something more interesting, something that looks more London, that is on top of a grade-listed building, you know, I would find that really impressive. Uh, like if you were to go into a city and you literally have this old building and above it is is a tower a skyscraper that has incredible design that maybe complements the building below 
like you said, Fred, I think that's like a testament to what London can do. If anything, Lon- like we know, and I think that's the issue here, is we know London can do this well. Arguably, we might be one of the, be- the best city in the world at doing this kind of stuff, you know, mixing very old um, structure with brand new structure. Um, and I think that's the issue here. It's not that it's inherently a bad idea, and I hope this doesn't just scare them away to do something boring. That Because that's, that's the worst outcome. If they just come away and they do something mediocre, something that could be built anywhere, then no one wins. We should be you know, trying to strive for something that's like magnificent, something that you could like see in a film or a TV show and go, oh, that's sick. Where's that? Or look at that and go, wow, that looks like, that looks so London. That's what we should be striving for. And the current design, it, it's it's on its way to that, but it's not that. And it's, I, I think it's to do with those stupid blocks, those office blocks, just a cube plonked on top of a train station. That's literally what we built at Euston at the 90, in the 1960s. And we're now, you know, tearing that down. So that does seem that does seem to be the issue. The the office blocks. I mean, I think you're right, Luke. I think we need to be careful about watering this down and getting a kind of a committee designed station because that's the worst outcome for everyone. Is say you water it down, it becomes half baked, doesn't look very good. Where I am with it, I think obviously it's made some made a lot of people feel very uncomfortable and quite frustrated. I think it does need to be looked at again, and some feedback needs to be taken on board. Yeah, but. I, I'm not. I'm not in the camp of we should cancel the whole thing and preserve the station as is. I think I, there does need to be work done on it. There needs to be improvements made to it. I quite like these plans, but mm. yeah, yeah, I, that's that's where I am with it. I, just for balance, we should read you out what uh, the seller spokesman said because we love love a bit of balance on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seller. <laughs> said, our proposals aims to deliver the vital upgrades needed at Liverpool Street Station to address significant overcrowding and access issues while protecting and celebrating its remaining Victorian elements. We would hope that Mr Gove or anyone involved in the decision-making process would assess our proposals in full and balance the impact of building over and removing less than half of a 1980s concourse roof against the £450 million of privately funded public benefits delivered at no cost to the taxpayer. That's the thing about this project. It is largely being funded by a private developer who's getting the space to build offices above. Uh, it is yeah, minimal minimal input for the taxpayer. Same thing, as I said, mm. happened at London Bridge. The development of the Shard, the sale of airspace above London Bridge to enable the Shard to rise basically funded the reconstruction of London Bridge. I'm not saying that means that we have to you know, ignore any concerns about heritage, but it, there, yeah. are, there are a lot of pros to this project. There are pros yeah. to this project that are currently being missed in the media debate. Yeah, true, true. I'm glad you uh, reminded us of that, mate. It's not, it's, not, it's not straightforward, is it? It's not straightforward. And I think people just need to be a bit more balanced. They need to learn from the world's best construction podcast, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah. there's a pool on the roof as well. We all, we all want to dip in that, don't we? Think of the mm. Instagram. Goodness me. We, we all <laughs> want to be at that. Uh, now, swinging over to the inbox, Luke. Who has slid in to the old DMs this week? Right, any okay. More, any more crazy poems from Jacob Garlick? <laughs> no, no, nothing from Jacob. No, nothing from Jacob. So we got a few things. Let me start off with um, Chris. Okay, so Chris says, Good morning, guys, from the great state of 
Texas. First off, I'm trying to figure out why it took so long for me to discover tomorrow's build on YouTube. Um, But he's been binging it for the last few weeks. This is the podcast now, and he's been picking episodes at random. Um, He then goes on and talks about like the Phoenix episode uh, because he spotted something on there. But he wanted to, he, he left us with this like little message at the end, right? Which I want to highlight. He said, love both channels. And I love listening to you being Fred, Liam and Kyle on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> on my road trips to work. Keep up the great work. Chris Muncie, Texas, USA. Thanks, Big Kyle. Fan. Thanks Big for reading fan. that out, Kyle. You look, like Kyle, you look like a car, mate. You look like a car. Do I? Do yeah. I? Can I be a car? You pull a car off. Could I? You know, when I was born, yeah. When I was born, I wasn't called Luke. My my parents changed my name in after like two weeks. My name was Al. My name was Alistair. So my baby band Al. say like little baby Al, yeah, uh, oh. Alistair, and they changed my name to Luke. There you go. <laughs> Probably Thanks, a bit right. too much information, but there you, there you go, boys. <laughs> Not the only time you change your name, is it, Luke? Do it on a regular basis with these emails. Oh, well <laughs> done, mate. I could see your face. I could see your face there. Like, excited to say that one. Um, we got one more, mate. We got one more. Um, this from Arthur. Arthur Caspola. He says, hi, yes. Fred. We love Arthur. Yeah. He's a big we- fan. We love a bit of Arthur. We love a bit of Arthur. Well, probably one of our biggest fans, yeah? He, he goes, uh, hi, Fred, Luke, and Liam. Just wanted to say I've been really enjoying the podcast. It's so well put together and gets better with every episode. The fun conversations and inside jokes brighten up my day every time. Uh, I recently listened to the Jedi Tower episode, and it got me thinking about the unfinished Golden 117 in Jin. Uh, Tianjin, Tianjin in China. Um, when, if at all, do you guys think it would be completed? Cheers, Arthur. P.S. Music, great as always. Love the intro outro as well as the second track. Cheers, mate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what are you saying? <laughs> That's good. I appreciate that, Arthur. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> What what are you what are you said about that, Fred? <laughs> it's always gets thrown to me, isn't it? Um, I, so I could see it happening if the economic situation allows. So basically, you have a large uh, concrete tower, I mean, an enormous concrete tower. We did a video on it. There's uh, China's ghost scraper. This huge concrete frame stood empty in the middle of a city. China have kind of scrubbed images of it from the internet, which is pretty shocking. Uh, but yeah, I can see it happening. It's a big structure. You've got a nice project there. You could finish it relatively easily and make some money out of it. I think I think it was that the owner went bust or something halfway through. So yeah, I can see it being finished definitely. I said this about Jedi Tower too. Who knows? <laughs> this is this is far along into the into construction, isn't it? Like it's not like it's oh yeah, they built it. It topped out, I think. It's topped out. Yeah, I think it is topped out. I've actually, when you Google image it, the B1M, there's a B1M um, story. It's like one of the top things that comes up. So well done, whoever wrote that. Good job. Um, I hope they finish it. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's just sitting there. How long has it been like on hold? I think so. The construction started like over 15 years ago now. Uh, and it was going to be one of the tallest buildings in the world, but it's been. It's been dormant for a dormant parked for a long time. 
Um, but yeah, it's pretty eerie. This huge structure just just stood on the skyline like that. Um, I don't know. As I said, I think it'd be an economic cycle thing. Obviously, China is slowing down a bit at the minute and is holding back a bit on, or as we know, with this skyscraper ban, they're holding back on new super tall buildings. But you've got that floor space there. It's built. I don't think the Chinese government are going to want to see an unfinished skyscraper like that littering the city. So I do think it will get finished at some point. At some point. I was going to say yeah. it's too late now, mate. They've already, already, the world knows it exists. The B1M's covered it. Arthur, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a contrarian and say it's never going to get finished. I think it's going to rock For balance. For balance, it's going to be the Ryongyang. It's the new Ryongyang Hotel in, uh, in North Korea. That pyramid that was like never finished for fifty years. It's going to be like that. <laughs> there we go. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Excellent. Well, well, thanks, Liam and Kyle. It's been a really good episode. I've really enjoyed the uh, <laughs> enjoyed chatting to you, uh, guys. Let us know what you thought about this. Get your emails coming in. We love poems. We love you getting our names wrong. It really shows how much you uh, listen to and care about the podcast. It's got to be a typo. It's got to be a typo, right? Yeah. How did you, you get? very close to How did you get from Luke to Kyle? right Right, anyway guys let us know what you thought about this episode get your comments coming on the venice aquarium walls we want to hear about that uruguay's tree covered rural transformation skyscraper thing we talked about uh and your well thoughts on liverpool street station because we want to know what you think about that that is obviously a pretty pretty divisive old project right now so get your thoughts coming in uh we're going to see you guys next week What'd you Google? Jeff Bezos looking jacked? I, <laughs> <laughs> I literally Googled Jeff Bezos buff. I don't know if this is old or not. I know. He's looking from like, mate, he's, he's looking the size of his arms, man. Just the white t-shirt today, Fred, yeah? It, I, why? I feel Just like. Is it, <laughs> is it new? I got, I got jeans on. <laughs> <laughs> I got jeans on. I feel, like you've got, I feel like you've bought some new threads lately. Mm. Have I? New jacket. Treated a little splurge. Mm. I had that a while ago, though. It just wasn't, it wasn't It wasn't. warm enough to wear it because it's a bit thin. Southern, Southern Italian food's better, in my opinion. Way better. Lots more feet, yeah. uh, seafood. Real, like, they use a lot of like red sauces and things like that. Love it. <laughs> you should just I'm do excited. a zuck. You should just do a zuck, mate. And just wear the same... <laughs> Uniform. Full <laughs> <laughs> of navy shirt, navy, navy jeans, and just like some terrible like just navy like... New Balances. Steve <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jobs did the same thing, didn't he? He was he like, I've got to make my life, got to make my life efficient. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. With he the looked, old he, he wore all black. He, yeah, stylish. Yeah, he's a ledge. He's a ledge. <laughs>